and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to ESSR Feature, your weekly discussion topic with us, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome. Before I introduce my esteemed panel, I just want to let you know of what show we are talking about today. And it seems only fitting that after we have just had the first show for TBS that is Dynamite happen over in America, that we talk about the future. Yes, I am talking about the four pillars of AEW. And just before I introduce my esteemed panel, who will be rejoining me on this wonderful journey today, just a little bit of housekeeping, you know, the usual. But if you are a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining us and you're special. I like you. But if you are also new to the shows, I like you as well because you've chosen to join in with us. But make sure you hit that subscribe button. Keep up to date with us for the current goings on. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We are at Suplex Retweet along all the platforms so we are easy to find. We also have our Facebook community page where we like to chat wrestling. If you have a topic, let's chat away. There's no discrimination. And also, we have diverged into the world where you can see our faces, not just our lovely voices. We have our YouTube channel where we get up to many, many fun things, including Book It, The Conspiracy Theory, and Quiz Showdown. Make sure you find us on YouTube, Suplex Retweet. Come and see, spoilers, me become the first ever Quiz Showdown champion at our last show of the year, Christmas Ain't Easy. And just make sure you tune in for our Royal Rumble one. It's our yearly quiz showdown where I will have to defend my championship and I know I'm going to lose. So come and watch me fail. It'll be epic. But I'm not here to talk about me or quiz showdown. I am joined with the four toothpicks of ESSR because they're certainly not pillars of our podcast. Nah, I'm kidding. I love these boys to pieces. But first, I am joined by a man who likes to think of himself as one of the most savage men behind Shrek. It is Grant McRobbie. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a savage, I'm a gentleman. I just like to be a little bit edgy. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today, Grant? I'm fantastic, looking very, very forward to talking about this after we've had the Wrestle Kingdom and now we're getting back to AEW being on top form and four absolutely top quality talents with a great panel with us as well. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, along with the other fellow toothpicks. A man who is basically like going to be the dad of this group because he, he just couldn't seem to keep us under control when we did his Mount Rushmore of New Japan Wrestling. It is Alan McLucas. And I'm here to bring payback. Oh, no. <laughs> Hello, yes, I'm buzzing to be here. Massive AEW mark I am. And I'm really excited to talk about these four Alan's in the future. Let's get it on. Thanks, Alan. And also joining us today is a man that likes to think of himself as edgy, but to me, he is about as edgy as a Satsuma. It is David Hockney. <laughs> yeah, listen, I've tried to be edgy before, but it's just not in my nature, the the pure soul that I am, the very innocent soul that I am. But so, But yeah, nice to be here, Sarah. And it's nice to sort of get out of the NXT pool for a bit and jump over to the other side on AEW for a change. Join the good side. We have cookies and juice. I like and both those things. 
finally, we have what I'm only going to call is the baby of the group. He is probably not even the baby. I don't even know how old he is. But it is Callum Bennett. Greetings and salutations and also I'm 21, Sarah. 21. Oh, well, you are a f***ing baby then. <laughs> God, I'm so old. Oh. You're innocent. The, joy- the joys of the 20s. A wrestling fan, not innocent. <laughs> no <laughs> wonder right, they sang Fly Me to the Moon. <laughs> How are you today, Callum? Uh, bloody smashing, very warm, very cold and very confused. Uh, light the fuse, bring the boom, it's dynamite. Oh yes. So yeah, what better people than to talk about the four pillars when I have my four toothpicks of the SSR. But we are talking about the four pillars of AEW. So we all know that AEW has assembled an all-time great roster that they've got at the moment. And that it's got a brilliant blend of established talent but also got rising stars. It seems to have found a nice, happy medium. And they have some of the best in-ring workers and talkers currently in the business today. But when you look at the competitors that stand out even more for how these bookings have went, it's got its eye on the future. And that is definitely the case when it comes to these four men. In particular, the four pillars are, are what are now known as the four pillars of All Elite Wrestling. You have Maxwell Jacob Friedman, also known as MJF, and during a promo that he made, he also coined this group as part of his promo, so that they are the four pillars. And alongside of that was Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, and Jungle Boy. So, Grant, see, starting off, when you look at the rising talent, like you've not only got MJF, who obviously is he'd be stupid enough not to put himself into that four pillars like this is the whole point of it um, but he's he's pulled out these talents that they are I would say up and coming but considering that Sammy and Darby Allen are actually towards like they're closer to their 30s than they are their 20s um, is it a good pick that Maxwell Jacob Freeman AMJF has actually said these four people as being the future of AEW I think it's still reasonable that he picked them, but I also think Sammy stands out in particular out of them all for the length of his career compared to the rest of them, because most of them are kind of like, they're, they're all pretty much still very early in their careers, but Sammy does have pretty much 10 years odd experience, like he started about 2010, whereas everyone else seems to have kind of popped up about 2015. Only thing I can think that maybe separates Sammy, but they, they are definitely a future in, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And see, Alan... Grant made a good point there that obviously Sammy is the only one that's got a little bit more experience on the other guys, whereas like MGF, Darby Allen, and Jungle Boy all did debut in 2015, whereas Sammy did debut in 2010. Do you think that just sort of gives Sammy a little bit of an edge over the other four, or do you think now that you've got AEW, giving them a level playing field makes a difference? Initially, yeah. I mean, Sammy got the to open the first of a dynamite with Cody and put on a hell of a performance even though he never came to the victor but as we all know Cody never goes down and um, he's like John Cena he's always picking up at two uh, <laughs> but I know AEW's now going to get stubbed here um, I think it's plain to see they're all probably at a level playing field now um, they've obviously all had great success in other aspects like Jungle Boy being the first competitor to get into 50 victories you know um, and he's won the tag titles you know as well um, Sammy's been the TNT champion, you know, Orange has done really, really well. And, you know, in MGF, I mean, the promo work for the boy is just 
up there with some of the very best. And for me, him and, he, him and Baron Corbin are the two top out heels in all the wrestling. So they've all done really well. But I'd say the beginning, yes, there was an edge to Sammy getting the high start, but now no anymore. No chance. Mm-hmm. And Dave, um, Alan just said it there that like Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, they're both in TNT champions, and Jungle Boy is what is a newly crowned, much to your distaste. Um, AEW Tag Team Champion, whereas MJF has yet to actually win a title besides the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Do you think that makes a sort of difference in the whole four pillars? Not necessarily, because I mean, sure you can win a championship, but it's all about the impact you create, and nobody has made a much bigger impact than MGF when he has a microphone in his hand. Like, I remember just before we recorded today that I actually went back and watched some of MGF's old promos, and I was so engrossed by them that I actually paid less attention to some of the other guys' accolades. Not that there weren't huge accolades, but you give somebody a microphone and they deliver like promos on TV with such eloquence and also a little bit of hatred in their voice, you can't help but you can't help but watch and think, what the hell is this guy going to say next? And he's already been featured in some high-profile matches. You know, he faced uh, John Moxley for the AEW world title before he's uh, he's took part in the blood and guts match along with sammy guevara so it's and he won that match as well so it's it's not like um his lack of winning a championship has harmed him it's the fact i think mgf's had more of a bigger presence on tv and he's capitalized on the big moments where it matters mm-hmm. and Callum, see from your point of view as a wrestler like this has obviously got to give you a lot of inspiration for you know your own career in the making it, it does uh, give me a lot of inspiration uh, for me being a big strong wrestler man as i tell my friends <laughs> that um watching uh, the young talent uh, rise and do all the crazy flips and stuff i mean it terrifies me and i can't do that you know i'll stick to holes and punch people in the face but uh, i think all the collective four pillars are great um, I mean, every time I hear Four Pillars, though, I, I keep thinking of the Old Japan Four Pillars, but a lot of newer fans will think of the EW instead of Old Japan, unfortunately. But hey, uh, all the wrestling's just very good, uh, and I'm a wrestler, hopefully debuting soon. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully we'll all be there um, to, watch, to watch you debut, Callum. Because yeah, um, be. <laughs> at the end of the day, all these wrestlers had to start from somewhere, um, sort of like in the position that Callum's in, but... We'll st- we'll start off with talking about Darby Allen. Um, it's named as one of the four pillars. So, Darby Allen is currently at the age of twenty three, uh, twenty eight. He's actually about to be twenty nine tomorrow. Um, funny enough, at this time of recording, it's his birthday tomorrow. Um, but he debuted in twenty fifteen after being trained by Buddy Wayne, and he made his debut late. It was actually late 2014, 2015. Um, for a small wrestling promotion in Oregon before moving on to have different wages in his career consi- um, consisting of um, being part of Evolve against Ethan Page. He's wrestled Brian Cage. Um, he's also had a match against Dave Chris's uh, Sammy Callahan. Like all these sort of people before even coming close to being at All Elite Wrestling. Um, I will, I will admit I was not familiar with who Darby Allen was. Um, Grant, I know that he's wrestled for Progress um, before joining AEW, so what were some of your pre-AEW memories? 
if you have any. For me, I had a few because I'd started catching on to him before he came to progress. Uh, I'd, see, I'd watched the likes of his uh, January 2018 match where he faced Zack Sabre Jr. for the Evolve Championship, which was quite a difference of styles, but I think that's where Derby particularly thrives. And um, in 2019, Super Strong Style 16, I was lucky enough to watch him live at Super Strong Style and meet him that weekend. Um, absolute brilliant performer. He was defeated by someone who due to their naming and speaking out, I'm not going to name the person who it is. Um, but like the uh, the second day, he had a fantastic match, and it was him, Chris Ridgway, and Lucky Kid in a six-man Luchadors tag match against Art, Miss Spencer, Chris Brooks, and DJZ. It was <laughs> fun. It was absolutely wild. I love DJZ. Also known as Joaquin Wild. Um, but Alan... Darby actually made his AEW debut after signing in 2019. Um, he made his AEW debut at Fighter Fest against none other than, you know, Mr. Cody. And it came to a time limit draw. It was actually a good way to get him started off and sort, of, like, sort of get his career in AEW off to a start because time limit draws are actually something that's very rare. We don't see them that often. Um, so would you say this is like probably the best way to get Darby started off? Um, at the beginning of his AEW career? I think when you're talking about Cody, yes. Because Cody's not really for one for putting people over at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, go to Sammy, first of a match in AEW and just put it out, down, you know. So it, it didn't hurt him less, but Cody managed to kind of put him over. Um, you know, and he is a very small guy. You know, he's just, his deck, for man deck, he's a, such a small man. But, um, he can back it up and his moveset and his quickness is just brilliant and he came out of that match looking like a star and Cody came out looking like a douche um, so yeah I would say going by who he was facing it was the best outcome for him yeah mm-hmm. and Callum after this like he sort of team with Joey Janela and um cancelled person in the losing effort at Fight for the Fallen against Sean Spears, MJF and Sammy Guevara. But this led to like his first pay-per-view match at All Out, which um, you know, said cancel person actually won. This is when we sort of felt, thought that there was going to be more of an extreme side to AEW, which obviously Darby is one of the people that can bring that to the division. Um, but is there anything that you've noticed in general just from like the style of matches to that what it's it's it does seem is actually a little bit different than you know the other markets out there. I'd say that with with Darby, it's the case that I don't think he's got any care for his own well-being. So it, it's very uh, I'm going to coin this phrase. It's like literally Libre but in crack. Um, <laughs> only way I can really describe Darby Allen's style of wrestling. I mean, I think he's a great wrestler. I mean, if I wrestled him, I'd snap him in half, but that's not the point. Anyway, I I do like him. Uh, I think the coffin drop is fantastic, although it terrifies me. Oh, I mean, he terrifies me. I don't I don't understand how he, he's he's not broken his spine yet on <laughs> TV, but um, he's captivating. He's wrestling certainly. Uh, glued to the screen. You can't really look away when Darby's wrestling, so, uh, but other than that, I think he's great. Mm-hmm. And Dave, see throughout the progression as well, like, um, Darby Allen being in the first ever casino ladder match at Double or Nothing, obviously, that was won 
by Brian Cage, but you see him going to a rivalry with Brian Cage, um, also teaming up with the with that time the AEW World Champion John Moxley, another well known um, person who does not really care for his own well being. Um, do you think that's at that time? Did you really think that it was going to be solely Darby Allen in sort of extreme rules matches? Well, not necessarily, because I mean he was um, he was brushing shoulders with. Uh, you know, winning big opportunities. You know, as you said, the casino ladder match. He was he got his match with John Moxley for the AEW Championship as well. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, he was always within the title picture. You know, the trying to find the number one contender. At, I believe it was uh, not fight for the fallen. Um, what was the one with the tournament? Was that all out or was that full gear? Um. So, all for the TNT title. Uh, or- no, it was um, Revolution. That's what it was. Right. Where he, uh, like he, he beat Sammy Guevara in the first round and then lost to Cody. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Uh, yeah, the um, Darby brushing shoulders of the championships was sort of like, you know, a sort of natural progression, but he was introduced to the audience, like, of, you know, people who see him for the first time as very much, uh, very much sort of that hardcore wrestling style. You know, he, he takes any chances and his body be damned with the consequences. But, uh, yeah, I do recall, I think, one spot he did in particular where he did a coffin drop onto an actual coffin, like, and he, he went straight through it. I thought, if he if he gets up from that, I mean, this guy's got some some grit about him. So I think that was, like, probably my, my sort of main turning point for Darby when he was... He wasn't afraid to take these big risks, and he could just get up and keep going, because I remember when I first saw him with the face paint, it reminded me of that meme where the kid goes, I like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> I like turtles. I like turtles. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> um, something that really stands out as well when it comes to Darby Allen is the promos that he makes. Like, this is something that you don't see a lot of the time. It's sort of like noir type, type black and white. That you know, it was something that probably make David Campbell jizz every single time he watches this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but Alan, see just the types of promos that Darby has done like for an example when he what was it the black and white segment he was walking down a forest road with thumbtacks in his back and then he decided to climb up on the top of a bridge and jump into a river like it's not something you see every day no he's very unique and I suppose that like obviously now he's partnered with Sting and he's under Sting's influence which I think is going to just help his career massively there's a lot of foreshadowing with that the way Sting used to cut promos back in the day Obviously, Sting wasn't jumping off bridges and then <laughs> but um, yeah, it makes him stand out. And you know, I think what also helps as well, especially like all the the four pillars. Um, I always believe that their intro music helps make the character helps make them a star. Darby has got one of the characters tunes out there. You know, it, it really helps and it sets his character and his tone and everything. And you know, the promo works really well. With the music you know, that they ever used, but when you see the promo and you hear it, it all builds his character in perfectly. So yeah, it's really, really effect- he's really effective at it. I'd probably say, you know, in regards to his video packages, he's possibly the best one up there. Maybe outside Jericho in AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll open this up to like the rest of the guys, but is there any particular promos that you've seen by Darby Allen that's really stuck with you? See, I never really saw him as sort of a promo guy, like with his unique film noir style, because obviously I think there were some promos on 
promo guys on AEW that just sort of cut straight to the point uh, and just don't beat around the bush or mince around their words, etc. So I think Darby he sort of really captivates him with his unique look, his entrance, and all the crazy stuff he pulls off in the ring. Like, I mean, coming down to the ring on a skateboard as well, I mean, it's not... You've got one person, he's the one that does an AW, but you've also got Cora Jade in NXT, which does that. But it's it doesn't matter, it makes him unique in particular. Like, he's the, the Tony Hawk's pro skater of the of the 2020s essentially like i tell you if that game ever gets remade you could just tell he'll be a like a down a downloadable character in it some in some capacity given the the, the amount of stunts he pulls off him and tony hawk was good i like that mm. just get him on the cruise get him on the cruise ship and do a grind around the top bit with the where the the funnel is <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure he's actually meant to be a jackass forever but i can't remember if he actually will be in jackass Grant yeah i think he is I was going to say, Grant will be able to tell me. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you even see him in the trailer. Um, but yeah, because I mean, when it comes to Darby's promo stuff, I, I, it's not that I'm not, I don't enjoy it as much. I think it's quite cool. It fits the bill for what he does, but he doesn't rely on talking. He just relies on visual representation, which I think is fantastic that he can do what he does without having to speak much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Callum, is there anything that sort of stuck out for you at all? Because we know that like, when you hear Darby on the mic, it sometimes does not sound natural because of just how much of a mysterious character he is. I mean, that is true, but I mean, I've been uh, many Darby Allens at Four Corners, so you know, but uh, big Darbs, you know, I feel like, see when he talks, it kind of puts me to sleep a little bit because it's so like nasally and just so like, oh, blah, 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 I like turtles, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Next it's going to be that I like trains. No, I did that. ASDF movie for the win. He needs that. Uh, like, I'm glad he's got Sting though, because like, Sting as his mouthpiece is great. Like, Darby's very visual. Like, I'd say, keep your your face painting your your mad goth and just have at it. <laughs> there was something else. Like, we we entered into the end of 2020, and Darby finally got like his comeuppance against Cody Rose, he actually finally managed to not only, like just defeat him for the TNT Championship. So out of the three matches they had, he's got a draw, a loss and a win. Um, but this then set off Darby's record setting, 186 day reign. Um, he was the first out of the four pillars to become a champion. Um, Alan, see that record setting reign, it actually, it, it sort of made the TNT Championship not feel like a mid-card championship, kind of like we most feared. To begin with, yeah, I mean, also it's designed to be the mid card, but because we can defend it week in, week out, and then the quality of matches were excellent. I mean, that was a really good match between Cody and Darby. Um, so, uh, yeah, I thought you know the record was really, really good. You always kind of kind of learnt now that whoever holds it is never home long, but the fact that he got you know nearly six months with it is you know it's quite impressive. Um, I don't think, oh, I think it'll be some time before you find somebody will beat that. Mm-hmm. And see um, his, like, his teaming up with Sting as well. See when there was the, the rumours of Sting possibly coming to AEW, was it Darby Allen the first person that came to your head when when pairing those two together? I'll just open that to all of you. Well, I think the, the face paint sort of gave it away on that one. Like, obviously Darby has that you know, that sort of barren wasteland with the, the tree sort of paint design on his face. And usually it's either his whole face or half fa- his face is very 
sort of like skull shaped or sort of very just bleak desolated lands and Sting's promos in like when he was due to arrive in WWE were sort of something similar except he had obviously had the, the raven uh, cry to go along with it so mm-hmm. and the color scheme you know the black and white you know it wasn't just like different colors for different weeks it was always that film noir black and white sort of color like those two pairing together were like uh, they were like salt and pepper you know putting them together it was probably the most ideal pairing you could get that was that would take on the mantle of sort of mentor and student and i mean who better than the icon sting to sort of mentor like a young a young guy who's who's not willing who's not afraid to take risks but still has that sort of uh dark loner persona but yet sort of brings it all to life in the ring mm-hmm. and we'll just quickly round up on Darby Allen before we talk about the other guys um, his ranking for 2021 out of the, the PWI 500 was number 14 um, considering that that was the first time he was actually ranked in PWI it's a good way to start off wouldn't you think that's a solid start especially for the fact that he also had that big match with Punk as well mm-hmm. but there's that as well like he had a pay-per-view match with CM Punk one who had Basically, it was his first match in seven years, and it's it's a great honour to put on Darby's shoulders. I would say for having CM Punk's match, like his first match back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Darby also got di- the Dynamite Award for Breakout Star of the Year in 2021 yes, as well. Yes, so did. yeah, he's uh, he's had a fair fair good crack of accolades just in the past year alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll move on to the second pillar, one of the more older ones um, out of the four bunches. We have the, you know, the lovely Sammy Guevara, um, who is 28 years old and made his debut in 2010. Um, fun fact, he was actually trained by Booker T. Um, so, yeah. Um, so can, can you guys remember... Sammy's first match in AEW when he came out dressed like a panda. Yes. <laughs> he was so cute, wasn't he? I love the fact that he brought the panda thing back over from like PWG and that because I remember seeing the panda stuff like beforehand. So I was like, it's different. Mm-hmm. So the, the place that Sammy Guevara actually, he made his major promotion debut. He actually appeared in uh, NWA. And he has also appeared um, as a triple A tag team, like on a dark match um, with, I'm pretty sure it's Laredo Kid, and he lost against Primo and Epico. That was some of his like his first starts in wrestling. He's also wrestled on Impact. He's actually um, wrestled for PWG. He's done the I'm pretty sure he was in the Battle of Los Angeles. Twenty seventeen. Yep. Got to yep, got to the quarterfinals of that. Um so he had like a, a fairly decent career. He was also part of Lucha Underground um for a while back when, you know, that was between 2018, 2019. Cause again, Sammy Guevara, with him having that sort of you know, Latina heritage, um, I'm pretty sure his dad was Cuban and his mum was Caucasian-American. But growing up in Texas as well, um, it is sort of a more southern southern state. But we'll, we'll talk about when he first signed with AEW. Now, the inaugural event, Sammy Guevara was in the match against Kip Sabian. I don't know if any of you guys remember 
that that match at double or nothing. Ooh, yeah. That's quite some time ago, actually. <laughs> I know, right? This was back we in did, 20, 2019. Did. And it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what? I'm going to open this up to you guys because Sammy's actually had a big development in terms of his career because he was also on the first match on Dynamite. Um, but to, and going along from what he was then to... We'll say between when he started and when he joined the inner circle. That was because the inner circle is when he went for proper development. But Alan, what do you remember pre um, inner circle for Sammy Guevara? What do you remember of him when you first saw him? Um, I probably didn't see him as a pillar of AEW or a future. I mean, I think I seen him as a, a lower to mid card. That was kind of it. He was decent on the mic, a bit cocky, but arrogant. Um, which obviously going for the heel work and it works okay. So there were some of his promos that hit, some it didn't. But you know, under with the tutorship under Jericho, he's totally turned and he's it's a one eighty and the guy's in a future world champion, main eventer. And the fact that he's still not well, they say you hit your prime in wrestling about 30, 32. Mm-hmm. So even in his prime. So it just it makes it more exciting to watch him and see what he's going to do because he's had an incredible 2021. So as you say, pre- prior to the inner circle, for me, but now different story. Guys got the guys got it. Yeah, and Callum, after joining up with like Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Santana Ortiz, Jericho basically said that Guevara looked like a Spanish god, and that became his new nickname. Um, Considering the fact that you know we we've seen Darby, uh, we've seen sorry Sammy in the ring, and he has a very good lucha style. What would you say is like the biggest development that Sammy's had since joining the Inner Circle? I'd say the biggest development for a big Sammy Guevara would probably be. Uh, I think he's a lot more confident, like talking wise uh, in the mic. Uh, the only thing I'm not confident about Sammy Guevara is, is he's six thirty because it's it just looks wrong. But anyway, that's <laughs> okay, I'll get back to that because it really hurts me. I'd say that he's wrestling solid. Um, all the lucha libre that he does, the flaps and all that. I mean, still scares me, but hey, somebody's got to do it, right? So, uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, I wouldn't have seen him as a pillar either. When EW first started, I never thought about the four pillars, to be honest. Um, I, I was always like, there's only room for Misawa and Tawi and Kabashi. And, or, like, <laughs> the, only them. Uh, I, I forgot one there that's going to annoy me. But uh, I'd say that he fits in perfectly. I mean, he beat Miro, for, for Christ's sake. That, that's a, there we go, big development. He beat Miro in that <laughs> a, a muscle mountain. So, I <laughs> he's very good. <laughs> I mean... Well, I was going to say, well, we've jumped a little bit ahead of, <laughs> of him beating Nero. Um, but Grant, the one thing I do want to talk about, especially when it comes to Sammy Guevara, is his place in the stadium stampede match. Because he was a star in that match. He took some beatings. Oh, that's, Sammy was the, the bump guy for the stadium stampede match. Like, it, it did. It, it's really working closely alongside Jericho and Hager and stuff like that and people can slag off Hager all they want or what, but at the end of the day the guy has made a legitimate career out of things whether people 
like to think he's good or not, he made it quite high up the pile in WWE. He's had a fairly decent MMA career so far, so you know, might be as plain, might be as plain as as Stephen Wilson, but <laughs> man's results speak for themselves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Stadium Stamp, he just he bumped for whoever needed him to bump. Um, I've never seen a man run like like that from a horse in my life. <laughs> that was absolutely beautiful watching the hangman chase him on the horse. I was like. And then the fact that they dubbed over it with my lovely horse uh. on Twitter. <laughs> that was one of my favourite videos of that year. But yeah, like Stadium Stampede, like Guevara just came out of it. Like, Because I will, I will be honest, until he joined Inner Circle and that, it did kind of feel like they brought him in, he looks impressive, but they didn't know what they were doing with him. Then they put him in Inner Circle and he just leapt on and on and on to where he is now. Um, even with a momentary setback in his career in mid-2020 for something he shouldn't have done years we before. Will, we will talk about that in a little bit. Um, but <laughs> I do want to actually get everyone's favourite Sammy Guevara moment from Stadium Stampede, so Dave, I'll start with you. Uh, I think Grant's already took the words out of my mouth. I mean, that uh, <laughs> running away from the horse, was, uh, it was it was meme culture written all over it, so I have to say that one. Alan, have you got a favourite Stadium Stampede Sammy Guevara moment? David and Grant just running away from the horse. It's just class. <laughs> it's just brilliant. <laughs> and Callum, are you the same or have you got a different one? Uh, no, I am going to pick a different one. Oh, <laughs> scandal. Um, was the one wing angel that he took off the stadium? Because why, you mad, mad Spanish godman, would you take that? I know it's, it was maybe Paradita, I don't know. But. It just, oh, it just, that, that height and get, oh, oh, absolutely not. Although the horse was a close second, but <laughs> what the angel was mighty impressive. But he, he gets some good running distance away from that horse. Jesus Christ. I know. He actually proper ran for it. Um, but we will move on past the stadium stampede because I think that was something that really show, it showcased Sammy as being a more serious wrestler, but because. But because it's with Jericho, we all know that Jericho just wants to have a laugh now. He's at a stage in his career where he just can't be bothered and he just wants to have a laugh for everything. Like, he'll still put people over and be serious, but he just wants to have a laugh. Um, but just touching on what Grant had alluded to earlier, so this is what I think really kind of forced Sammy to grow up and take more responsibility um, in his own way. The, after uh, it came to light during the Speaking Out mov- uh, movement um, that he had actually made an inappropriate joke saying he wanted to go rape um, Sasha Banks when he was doing a podcast in 2016. And so, so this was outed in June of 2020. And Sammy was actually suspended by AEW after that was revealed. And what he had done, he had made a YouTube video apologising and taking full accountability for it. And even spoke with uh, Sasha Banks and apologised to her and came to... A mutual you know mutual ground which I think in terms of actually doing this on top of the sensitivity training that he had to do and um, his weekly pay was donated to a women's centre in Jacksonville during the course of his suspension I think kind of forced him to sort of grow up and take more responsibility and I think that's where everything proper changed for Sammy I don't know if you guys agree with me I see with uh, Sammy always felt like one of those diamonds in the rough, you know, this very uncut, unpolished talent of potential. And that's why I think Jericho took him under his wing. You know, he just needs a bit of just a bit of polishing up a little 
take down the sort of rough edges and then he could evolve into something great but he still had that sense of immaturity about him you know despite you know being one of the older ones in these four pillars here i and obviously the speaking out movement was such a such a controversial sort of time for the wrestling industry as a whole so even when you know it's when it's men sort of making inappropriate comments like that it's it it just uh, it was an he was sort of made an example of and saying this sort of talk towards anybody will not be tolerated but I think at least he had the maturity to sort of take that as a learning curve and serve as, serve as suspension, do the sensitivity training and his fine getting, or sorry, his pay getting donated as well. It, it, I mean, he, he obviously he can't take back what he said, but I think the fact that he was able to learn from it, I think that's uh, something to respect him for. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the rest of you guys agree that this is what made Sammy grow up and take accountability for himself and what he says. Because at the end of the day, he is being a role model now. A hundred percent. I think. I think it was because when you look at how a lot of people reacted, some people got defensive. And that he just held his hands up and went, "Yeah, I've fucked up here." And you know, he didn't try to use any excuses. You know, because it was something from at the time, like four years earlier. But instead of going, "Oh, that was four years ago," he did. He he done the right thing, um, which I feel went a long way. And in general. Because obviously I've followed a lot of it on Twitter. People, yeah, there's some people ne- that have never accepted it and never really trusted it. That's fair play because everyone's allowed their opinion. But I, I feel a lot of people agree that it's like, well, what he, he'd done, he'd done exactly as he was told. He, the fact that he'd done and spoke with Sasha Banks, huge, huge sign of maturity. And yet ever since then, he's definitely been, it's there. you can see like a, a sort of a sense of maturity come out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> he came into EW as a boy. I mean, he may have been, what, 25, 26, but he was a boy. And he is definitely a man. I mean, but speaking out, really, those who remained, he seems to be the one that was the guy went, right, yeah, that's, I'm wrong. And he's went to rectify it. And he, I think he's the only one that's kind of justify themselves in trying to rectify it. There's been not been many that I can think of who have been outed and tried to do the right thing. So huge props to them. No, absolutely. And Callum, we're gonna talk about one of your least favourite things about Sam McGrara with his uh, you know six thirty cent on. Um, because I'm going to move on to this feud that he had with Matt Hardy. Um mainly the resulting of what happened in the match on Dynamite um, that happened when he tried to do a 6.30 cent on through the table. Oh, brother. Right, where did I begin? Where did I start? <laughs> right, so, uh, I, I'm pretty certain I watched that match live and I thought, oh, that would be great, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's a, a few instances. I know that, I think, wasn't it like the week or two prior to that, that match, uh, he flung a chair at Matt Hardy that busted him open quite bad, but the, the worst one I know was the I don't even know, like, I don't know what the plan or the thought process was, but I'll probably jump my head here. I know that when he, he, he concussed Matt Hardy, that was pretty that was pretty bad. But back to his 6.30 on, it just looks ugly, right? It's, it, now, I can't do it, right? Because I'm, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm 5'11 and I'm built like a brick shit house, so I can't do a 6.30, right? But usually, isn't that supposed to be you go forward? He, he kind of 
tilts and turns into it, and it just it scares me. It freaks me out. I mean, I've, I've actually paused it. Mid thirty cent on his face looks really funny, but just I don't. Mm, his six thirty is ugly. I don't like it. I'm upset now. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> well, sorry, you mentioned it, and I was just like, well, he had he did the six thirty cent on through a table. I had to mention it. Um, I'm all over again. <laughs> but see, with this, um, the whole you know match that was going on with Matt Hardy sustaining an injury obviously I'm pretty sure that was the Broken Rules match um, that happened at All Out it wasn't really exactly the best thing to happen especially for you know a feud that was actually going to be quite a shit hot um, Dave but do you, do you think that they sort of handled that in the best way that they possibly could and this is talking about Matt and Sammy not you know backstage who probably told them to continue uh, again, I think that's uh, slivers of that immaturity still coming out. It's I don't know if I mean there was a nasty bump that Matt Hardy ended up taking in that match. It was and it caused a lot of stir online, particularly with you know how the fans reacted to it. Like I don't know, I, I have mixed feelings on this one because I mean, sure, Sammy might have been on the losing end of it, you know, because the match was able to continue, but do you not? Know, I can't help but think, you know, maybe one of the guys would have said, wait, he's he's really hurt here. Like, what what should we do? Should we just, like, call an audible and, you know, try and work our way around it? But uh, I, I don't know. It was one of the weirdest finishes I've, I've seen, like, especially when, you know, Matt could have suffered, like, such a horrific injury. Mm-hmm. Then, Grant, what's your hot take on it? Um... Well, I love the 6.30 cent on that he does to people. I absolutely love it. So deal with that, son. Um, but yeah, like th- this feud, it just seemed to start, stop, start, stop. It, the momentum never, and I think they should have cut their losses early. They should have really just, like the, the things like the injury and that, and well, like, we're talking about the fan reaction and things like that. Let, let's not forget how pissed off Matt Hardy's wife was. That's true. That's true. What? As if she pissed off that, but that woman is angry. That that is that woman against the world, man. Yeah, well, with all fairness, she's pregnant all the time, so she's got a right to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like someone hit copy and paste, and they and they kept on replacing <laughs> ink in the printer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like that whole feud. It's. I mean, the impressive thing is, despite the fact that it was stopped starting that, it's never quite derailed either man's full momentum in the company. You know, that that was a feud that could have potentially really, well, not so much for Hardy, but for Guevara, that's a feud that really could have cooled people down on them and kind of put them off. But no, bounce back. <laughs> um, we'll we'll move on to like sort of a, a little bit more recent. Um, it was the second ever. Stadium Stampede match again. Sammy had some great moments, and he actually won the match um, for the team. Going, basically going full circle from being the pin guy to being the pinner guy, and um, basically keeping the inner circle together. Um, it's a, it's a nice thing to see, Alan, isn't it? As you sort of come full circle a little bit. Yeah, part of a redemption story. You know, we all have a redemption story. Um, also, I think it showed that Sammy doesn't now need the inner circle. He's now got he's got the capability to go forward himself and push himself towards that main event picture or back into the TNT picture he needs to be in. A, um, and 
it's, it was really nice to see and again he did really well in the match it's a really good match again and yeah I think it's, it's well it was really the sort of kickoff we needed it was a, it gave him the momentum obviously to go in and had some good feuds and then he went on to win the TNT title so I mean it's done in the world of the good and it was it was the best thing for his career I mean it fucked my sweep up that one I won't lie <laughs> I, I, I pissed him for a while <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it was a it was a great redemption story. Yeah, does everyone feel the same that it was a big redemption story, especially um, the whole growing up after the blood and guts match that Sammy Guevara forfeited the match to you know, save Chris Jericho's life if you know he basically died anyway. Um, but it's it's a nice it is a nice come full for come full circle. Uh, Chris Jericho get thrown off the cage through that. Uh, cardboard panel with a mattress below it. <laughs> he died. You can't expect them to die. It's Chris Jericho. Oh my God. It's wrestling. <laughs> it's still oh. real to me, damn it. He must die for her entertainment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we all agree that, you know, we'd love a good redemption story. And this actually moved on to when Sammy Guevara, obviously not counting his lovely... Um, in-fight TV, um, you know, message boards and <laughs> just silently speaking of what he's going to be doing, um, which is a nice sort of thing to do during the break for the for the fans in um, for the ones that are at, at AEW. But Sammy Guevara completed what seemed to be the impossible and that he defeated Miro on September 29th, 2001 um, on an episode of Dynamite, and he beat, he beat the Redeemer, Miro. Did everyone, was everyone shocked, or did you see it coming? Um, like, who did you think was actually going to be the first person to defeat Miro? Not Sammy Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Miro was in such a good run at that point, you know, given that, you know, the whole Redeemer angle sort of helped him bounce back from the angle with Kip Sabian and Best Friends, essentially. Uh, but, yeah, him as him as TNT champion was sort of it reminded me of his run as US champion, in that it took a, a particularly special talent to knock him off his perch, and I mean I didn't expect Sammy Guevara to be that one be the, be the guy to do it, but I think this has sort of solidified Sammy as a as a standout singles guy after you know obviously breaking away from the inner circle pinnacle feud, and but yeah. This definitely was sort of just the next step up in what's already been a continuously maturing performer over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And Grant Allen, did you think it was going to be Sammy to defeat Miro? I thought, no. it, I thought it was going to be someone else with the same initials. I thought it was going to be that other big boy, Stevie G, rather than Sammy G, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because Stevie G will be able to do that. He can barely tie his own shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> Laura putting the Velcro on for me in the morning. <laughs> well, that's Stephen Wilson, no Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> oh, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But no, like, I, I had a feeling like the, like the way they built up. If I didn't have the build before it with like Fuego and stuff like that and Miro, I thought I didn't, I wouldn't have seen it. But I felt the kind of quite well telegraphed it was coming. I really, I really wanted Frigo to be the one to do it, I'm not going to lie. You lost Imagine. the car, man. You lost the car. <laughs> and his wife locked him out. But, Alan, 
Out of all the people, did you think it was going to be Sammy Guevara or did you think that Fuego Del Sol was going to do it for all of us? Uh, not a chance of everything, Sammy. I personally thought at the point Sammy would be another year away from ever winning a title. Um, so, yeah, I'm taken back by it. I don't think it'd be Fuego either, to be honest. I really. I've had to pick somebody at that point. My money would actually have been on Darby Allen. Mm. But um, no, I was wrong. It was Sammy. And where we where we look at Sammy's title reign, um, obviously his first successful defense was with the debuting my daddy Bobby Fish. It was a great match. I love Bobby Fish. He can Bobby do no Fish wrong. is great. <laughs> you say he can do no wrong, but he keeps on tearing that tricep like it's going out of fashion. Yeah, I know, and I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> That's why he does more kicks nowadays. Like he's 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 got lethal kicks. Like, at this rate, Bobby Fish could become like the new Kevin Nash. It's like Bobby Fish oh. got to bed. Oh, he tore a tricep. No! Stop it! Stop it! You leave um, that man alone. Um, that is undisputed. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ellen, what was your take on Sammy Guevara's title reign going from defeating Miro to... Sadly, very sadly, succumbing to the curse of Cody Rhodes on Christmas night. Um, from a wrestling perspective, I thought he did pretty well. He defended it regularly. Um, I really thought he was going to go over Cody, but Cody's just a dickhead. <laughs> so he, he had some good matches, you know, and he, he looked strong. From a personal standpoint, it really fucked up my strap. <laughs> Fucking galore that Cody appeared again. But oh, dear. in my life, what is it with Cody? He went to GNT Town, he fucks my draft up. He has to go and fucking drop it to the great Brody Lee. <laughs> oh, you're not having a good time with TNT title reigns, are you, Alan? <laughs> Why is Cody Rhodes such a wank and ruining Alan's life? Well, this is why we're never doing. We're not doing a show on Cody Rhodes. It's okay. Yes, but we are. Yes, we are. We need to do the show about Cody Rhodes beating <laughs> racism and adultery. I'll you know. <laughs> not today. Not today. Not today, Satan. No, listen, just listen to Central every week. You know, Ross does a, a regular five ten minutes of Cody bashing. Anyway. <laughs> yes, check out Central every Thursday with Ross McLeod and a variety of different people that you can. It's basically whoever you can find each week. He's private. It's up to him. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. From one pillar. Oh, let's go on to a new pillar, Alan. Let's behave. Teachers lost control of the classroom. I am not going to lose control of my classroom. (laughs) Absolutely not. But from one pillar of you know this coliseum. It's not even a Coliseum that has pillars. To another, we are going to look at the youngest one out of the four pillars that were named in MGS promo, and that is Mr. Jungle Boy, aka Jungle Jack Perry, as JR likes to call him, because he, he needs to say that he is the son of Luke Perry. May he rest in peace. so we are looking at the career of jungle boy now jungle boy is only 24 years old he is going to be 25 this year he is the youngest out of all of them and out of all of our 
people that we have as part of our panels, uh, not our panels, our pillars of AEW. The little baby is now a tag team champion with his big dinosaur friend. Yay! <laughs> and I just wanted to air my grievance with Jungle Boy first and foremost. Oh no, right, okay, that- Grant, you have the floor. That, that son of a bitch back in November met be at Comic-Con with Luchasaurus and he loses his fanny pack with his passport <laughs> before it. I know why you didn't show up. You were too busy with Anna J, son. I didn't blame you, but I'm raging. Did my go through my head right now? <laughs> oh, dear. But yes, we'll, we will talk about Jungle Boy. So even just the fact that his look is actually something of somewhat different, um, that originally he was not named Jungle Boy, he was named as Nate Coy, which, thinking about it, it's a very good name change that he changed his name. Um, because he has the fact that this came about when it was part of Underground Empire Wrestling and the crowd were chanting Tarzan at him, or giving him the name Jungle Boy because he looked like Tarzan, um, which it, it came about a life of his own, especially when he started forming a tag team with a dinosaur dubbed a boy in his dinosaur. It's like, the, it's it's just like, you know, a good dinosaur just in real life. Mm. I mean, when you, when you look at this tag team, just we'll talk about a wee bit about the tag team first. Um, Alan, when you have a look at Jungle Boy next to a big dinosaur, it, is, it does stand out, doesn't it? Well, definitely. I mean, I remember the first time I seen Luchasaurus, and it was uh, in the Battle Royal with the first uh, Double or Nothing, and he just looked like a star. I thought it just looked incredible. And then, obviously, find out he had a two small children with him, made it a bit awkward. But he's captivating. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is have two children, and he's throwing them about, and they are just doing high flying shit. This is brilliant. Um, and then you start to realize Jack Perry's actually, you know. A bit different. He's 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 got it. He's got he's got a really intriguing look. He's got a great physique. He's actually quite decent in promos when he does cut them, but they are few far between. And he's very charismatic, and he's you know he's got a full package. He's he's brilliant to watch, and you know he's going to go far. And seeing him with a dinosaur, you're like, why is Tarzan with a dinosaur? Sounds ridiculous. When a five-year-old to say to you, you're like, right, and then you see the tell you like that's fascinating. <laughs> It's like, yes, yes, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah. And he, why why he, has he got a dinosaur? You're just sitting staring at your jaw hanging on, going, oh my god, there's Tarzan with a dinosaur. He's got a, he's, he's got a dinosaur because at the end of the day, what really, well, at that time that Tarzan lived in the jungle, you can't hear him going about with a gorilla because we all know he was clearly clapping them cheeks. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Oh, for God. There you go. I've just ruined Tarzan for all you in one go. You're welcome. Well, I was going to say, we were going to talk a little bit about um, Jungle Boy's persona because he was dubbed as a sort of Tarzan esque character. I mean, it's got the long, like the long curly hair the sideburns and just a, basically it's like loincloth for shorts and that had a lot of leopard print and originally he thought and I quote that the gimmick was really dumb but he changed his mind after seeing how much people actually liked it um, also like changing his finisher to you know the cross-legged STF and named it the snare trap which is very very fitting for someone who lives in the jungle and getting the rights, you know, 
big big Tony decided I'm gonna splash out for the rights to Tarzan Boy just to have his entrance theme. And it is one of the best things ever because it gets it get it got him over. Like you didn't even expect it. They had one tiny little shitty entrance and Tony Khan went, Nah, I've got money. I'm gonna buy the rights to this song. It just works, doesn't it? It's just one of those things, you know, if you're gonna invest in a character and you wanna invest in the future, sometimes you've just got to get the wallet out and, you know, buy the rights to uh, the use of a particular song. If it's, uh, and it works for somebody like Jungle Boy, you know, he's got the aesthetic, he's got the look about it. And, you know, with him tag teaming with like Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt as Jurassic Express, the three of them together make a very cohesive unit. But one thing I actually didn't notice about Jungle Boy until I looked it up is that uh, novelist and screenwriter Alan Sharp is actually his maternal grandfather. Which yes. makes, which technically makes Jack Perry one quarter Scottish. Hey! I think we've already got two good right backs with only this <laughs> Well, that is it. We're now endorsing Jack Perry because he's partially Scottish. He's one of us. Yeah, that's the new rule now, isn't it? If you're part Scottish, you have to cheer for them. Yeah, one of us. One of us. Well, thank you, Davis. It's not a show without you finding me some random fact that nobody else knew. Hey, sure. just, did my, just did my job. Sorry, Some Alan, what? I know you knew it. <laughs> I know, because his mum's from Glasgow. Okay, yes. My mum actually knows his mum. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> I, I showed my mum my mind. Do you recognise that guy? And she goes, no. I'm like, that's Luke Perry's son. She's like, no, I know. I'm like, that's Luke Perry's son. He's called Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And she's like, that's no him. I'm like, that's him. Could he believe that one? Uh, but see, see when you look at Jungle Boy when he first um, debuted, basically it was with the upstart of AEW, and he debuted at Double or Nothing in the Casino Battle Royale, um, and he was eliminated, eliminated by <coughs> cancelled. Can't say his name. <laughs> <coughs> cancelled. Um, that did you think that he, he could have such a bright future in this company, Callum? When he first debuted, did you think there's promise? Absolutely. I mean, from when I first saw him, I thought, well, he looks different. He's a he's a rather handsome jungle man person, boy person. Um, so I thought he'll, he'll go far. I mean, I thought uh, that he would have. I know he's tag team champion now. Yeah, I thought he would have been TNT champion like well in there, like last year. But uh, no, yeah, I thought wrong. But I, like he's, like I said with Darby, like he's captivating. You look at him and you just can't look away. Plus, like he's he's gimmick and how he looks is so different from everybody else. So he stands out. So you need to pay attention to him. Plus, he's really handsome. He is a pretty boy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be a pretty boy if you're no in a relationship with Anna J. God damn it. Right. Um, but le- less about his private life because let's just fi- face it, that does not make him a pillar <laughs> of AEW. Um, but Grant, see when you're looking at the, the way that he's been presented as a tag team wrestler, that there was definitely a lot of promise. But the way that I kept com- I kept um, comparing him to uh, when it came to battle royals was basically he was the Daniel Bryan that he would always come second and he would never win. Until, you know, my, my boy, my bae, my everything, Christian Cage, put him over and, you know, helped him win that, that battle royale, giving him a shot at Kenny Omega, the world champion. This is when you thought, 
this is when Jungle Boy's going to shoot to the top of the mountain. Yeah, I mean, in, in such a small space of time, he just went straight from, like, like so let's face it, Jurassic Express have constantly been over since they became a team. That's been two years of just mm-hmm. enjoyable. But as as a singles guy, there was always the glimpses of it, of what he can do. But he, that was the first time where you, to me, it's the first time I looked and went, not not like previously, I kind of like went, I ah, could have something, you know, possibly. And then I watched it, I was like, holy shit, yeah, he could, he, and this, and then you double check his age, and you're like, there is so much gas still in the tank, and he is performing at that level already. He can only thrive going forwards. Um, because even when he lost to Omega, he came out of that looking a million bucks. Mhm. I mean, what I would say this is probably one of the bigger highlights of Jungle Boy's career is obviously getting a match against the AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and Dave. What is it that stood out for you when it came to Jungle Boy in this match with Kenny? Because they have a very, not not even a similar style, but it, it was a very, very fast-paced match, and you could get involved with it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, Because obviously that's Jungle Boy's in-ring style, and he's always on the move, always fast, exciting, and it's, it's just spectacular to watch uh, in some cases. Uh, but it wasn't the, the Kenny Omega match that did it for me when it comes to Jungle Boy. It was actually when he was challenged the last 10 minutes with Chris Jericho. Uh, and that's mm. when I thought to myself, you know, well, I've always just seen him as part of Jurassic Express. He just feels like a tag team guy at this stage. But just to see him step up as a singles guy and have this high profile match against this all time great with Chris Jericho and just to last 10 minutes. I mean, that on its own was enough to say to me, you know what? This guy could be something of a single star, and I hope he gets more singles opportunities in the future. But obviously, you know, he still has that allegiance with Jurassic Express, and he's been featured more in tag matches. But he's just proved, you know, when he goes up against guys like Jericho and Omega, you know, established worldwide veterans, like, he can hang with them. And that puts a massive, a massive, um, it increases his stock massively. Mm-hmm. Um, we have seen that he's put on great matches with the likes of um, SCU, the Lucha Brothers, um, having a great match with the Dark Order, um, with Angelico and Jack Evans, as well as even just sl- seeing him in the Battle Royal, he's had great matches with like the Young Bucks uh, and whatnot as well. And there was also like the fun fact that Jungle Boy was the very first AEW wrestler to compete in a hundred matches um, which again when it comes to wrestling you don't actually think about those stats it's the same with Hikaru Shida being the first woman to reach 50 wins um, it's something that's celebrated and Alan it, it does go to show that even though when, Mac, when MGF went and said these were the four pillars including himself Jungle Boy was always just losing out on the tag team um, the tag team titles with Luchasaurus, but having the accolade of being the first wrestler to compete in a hundred matches, it does actually say a lot that they do trust this this talent, even though he only debuted in twenty fifteen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think long term storytelling, there's an essence of the Adam Page, you know, kind of mm-hmm. film with us. You know, he's up and down, up and down. He's, he's the first. You see, a hundred matches, the first of fifty victories. Tony Khan obviously sees huge, huge potential in this guy. And, you know, I've got to give everyone else, first of all, now I do, I really believe this guy, I think this, I think at one point or another, this, he will be the world champion. Um, and it's just a matter of time. And, you know, 
for me, if I had to pick one of these guys for the first one, the Hall of Fame, Jungle Boy's the one I've leaned to. I think he's got the biggest potential in the four pillars, but I know it's controversial. It's just the way I, I feel, because he's just got the full, as I said earlier, he's got the full package, he can do everything. He's technically sound, he's fast, he can pull power when he needs to. He's got the lot, and you know, in a way, he's a bit of a genetic freak because he's looking at guy can't even really go with Jericho, not really go with America, and he's starting to go with these guys, and it's just like, wow, this, this guy's got it, and he just needs that wee bit of time and a bit of nurturing and molding. And I think what, for me, he, the only thing that's kind of left for me, kind of eventually needs to break away from Jurassic Express and have somebody like Jericho or someone in the elite of Mox or somebody, one of the top, top guys to kind of mentor him a wee bit. Eddie Kingston, something like that. Not necessarily lose the Jungle Boy gimmick, but just have somebody mentor him a wee bit. But maybe that's for some Christian's kind of working on, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But for, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Christian to me is not one of the top, top guys. <laughs> but, Sarah, Sarah, you taking that? I will drop you from this call if you badmouth my bay one more time. I love Christian Bay, no, he's no edge. Um, <laughs> I don't care. Do it, Sarah. I don't care. I don't care. You do not see Edge putting over the young guys and making them look at a bazillion bucks. Well, also, you know, being on a, a t-shirt of Christmas time with a dinosaur and also... He is an honorary Triceratops, which happens to be my gamer tag, by the way, which just means that me and Christian are meant to be. But I will not take any. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. If you are being nice about it, I will not take any bad mouthing against Christian. He is perfect. I'm just stating my opinion. <laughs> okay. See, but... I can think about one from a stroke. <laughs> it's not. It is definitely a good point that you have made. and. Callum, I wanted to ask you this actually as well, is because there is only one thing that Jungle Boy does actually kind of lack in, and it is cutting a promo. Um, it, it doesn't seem quite as natural, as obviously, as you have MGF, who is an absolute natural talker, who would probably be able to actually get away with murder and talk himself out of it. Um, that Having Christian there as a sort of mouthpiece, kind of similar to what Sting is with Darby Allen. It's a it's a good step in the direction that we all need him to go in, especially because we do know it's going to come a time where he is going to break away on his own um, and leave Luchasaurus and make him extinct, and it's going to be so sad. Yes, uh, the only downside of Jungle Boy, like you mentioned, is his promo abilities. I mean, I could uh, promo him to death, you know, and put out there I'm really good at promos. But anyway, I digress. So, but he's got a great look. He's different. Uh, if his promos just catch up to how he wrestles, it'll be great. I mean, I know we're going to talk about MGF. I mean, he's. I don't understand how he gets through with half that stuff. He says, like, honestly, the amount of fines he must need to pay. Jesus, but Jungle Boy is great. The total side note I really want Christian, Christian to betray him so we can get the Christian Coalition back, baby. I can't wait. <laughs> Yay. But anyway, yes. Um, comparison. I'll ask you guys to describe Jungle Boy's journey from start to finish of what we have so far in AEW in four words. All right, Alan, what would you describe it as? Jungle Boy in four words, um, nearly at the top. Nice. 
nice. I thought you were just going to say Jungle Boy four words, and I was like, is that it? <laughs> Dave, what, what's your four words? Reaching for the stars. Nice. Grant? Athletic, raw, superb talent. Nice. Callum? Whoa, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, such a promising young talent. And can't, he says he's really good at pro work and can't come up with something on the spot. Shame. Oh, Let's I'd shame like up, guys. We need to shame up. Shame. I would like shame. to ask Callum, was that noise his actual description of Jungle Boy or was he just looking at the take on Instagram posts again? <laughs> so yeah, we're going to shame the guy that says he can cut a decent promo and can't come up with four words on the spot. I mean, try Christian's not that good. Edge supremacy, <sighs> B. Alright, hold on two seconds. I can block you from the call if you don't Please behave. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> behave! Do you guys the feel like we're, we're in Dr. Evil's there? <laughs> it's like the button with Dr. Evil with the buttons. It's like, if I push this button, you're going to the fire pit. <laughs> one, of, one of us is Mustafa. I am Played by Will Evil. Ferrell. But yeah. Ow, you shot me. You shot me in the eye. Let's let's move on to probably I would say probably the one who craves the most attention, which is why we're saving him for last. Um, and that is MGF. Fun fact: trained by Kurt Hawkins at Create a Pro Wrestling Academy. Create a Pro Wrestler today, MGF. Wow. I know. Create right? a pro wrestler. That's. I'm assuming that's based on the the video game series. Yes. That that is Brian that is Brian Myers Academy. It is Create a Pro Wrestling Academy. But oh, I yeah. like it I like it being called Create a Pro Wrestler. Um but other such people that have come from that school is actually people like Chris Statlander. Um we have Smart Mark Sterling as well. And um VSK. That's the four people that I can name off the top of my head. There is definitely others. But MGF made his debut in two thousand and fifteen and he is twenty five years old. Now, guys, when you look at this guy, he is the most annoying bastard ever with that smug face. But you can't deny the raw talent that comes out of that guy's mouth and he makes you want to hate him. Alan, one of the biggest heels at the age of 25, it can literally only go up for NGF, can't it? Absolutely. I mean... I know some people don't think MGF is that great in the ring. They don't think he's technically sound. But to be a wrestler nowadays, you don't necessarily need to. I mean, like, John Cena wasn't the most technically sound and was, was arguably the biggest named wrestler in history. Hulk Hogan certainly wasn't. Stone Cold Steve Austin was. And these are the guys that transcended the business. And I think MGF is no different to this. He is the absolute boss in the mic. I think from an aesthetic perspective, looking at the four pillars, he has the more, he has the stronger look towards what you think as a main event or world champion, stereotypically looks like. And he's said only him and Baron Corbin are the top two heels. They're, they kind of, for me, they just kind of, every week one overtakes the other because Baron Corbin just needs to walk out, doesn't have to say a love, and everyone fucking shits on him. Yeah. And, doesn't quite have a lot, but when he opens his mouth, he knows how to get the reaction of people, and he knows how to slate people. And do you know what? And this is going to send Grammy Hobby off. I'm sorry, but I think right now he is owning Punk in this, these uh, verbal battles. Uh, Punk's, but MGF has got his number. 
I still think it's a wee bit half and half, really. I think I think Punk's been a lot more polite about it. MGF sometimes I think tries too hard. Okay. I'm saying I think you I'm saying his own maybe that's the wrong word. It's like a fifty one forty nine split in the earth. It's he, he is getting the better punk. And you know, I think because the the you know, absolute confident these two right now. And MGF I think will be the first one at the fourth year world champion. I really do. I think he's just he, he's, he's got he's like the rest of him, he's got everything he needs. Uh, he's just so good. The only thing for me that lets him down is because he had the stages with Cody and then repeated the same thing, albeit maybe slightly tweaked to me, but with Jericho. He cannot do that again because it becomes stale. He has to come up with new ways and new methods to antagonise whoever's chasing him. Because if CV does those stages again with Punk, people are going to not his own out. But he has absolute clash. No if, no buts, no doubt. He's clash. Okay, that's a really good thing. Um, we'll start off very early in MJF's career, um, not counting the fact that a video resurfaced in 2019 of a 2001 young child MGF singing You Are My Sunshine on the <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell show. We won't talk about that because apparently MGF did not have the nerve to tell Britney Spears that she wasn't going to make it as a singer. Like that, It's just shit like that. But there was a video that surfaced in 2015 WWE when it uploaded um, MGF's entry for Tough Enough uh, to their YouTube t- channel. Now, has anyone actually seen that? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Give me your hot take on it. Uh, it was good. Um, it was interesting. Uh, a lot of fake time. That is um, my hot take. There is also that and him getting shoved by Samoa Joe backstage. <laughs> As a security guard, yes. <laughs> yes. The famous MGF getting pushed aside by Samoa Joe, which must have just fueled his rage. Um, but we will look at, like, he's, he's competed in such promotions such as Combat Zone Wrestling against um, the likes of Trevor Lee, now known as Cameron Grimes, uh, Joey Janela and John Silver, etc. As well as holding a championship in CCW. Um, and he's also competed in World Middleweight uh, Wrestling and he was champion of that promotion as well. Uh, that came along with um, uh, a winning streak against <coughs> cancelled, cancelled Lollipop Man. Um, before moving on to the greener pastures, that is AEW Wrestling. Now, it was announced first in 2019 that MGF has signed a five-year deal, uh, which is very, very different, considering that a lot of the talent are signed and they aren't disclosed how long their deals are, but it was publicly announced that MGF had signed just a five-year deal with AEW back in 2019 and debuted as a heel as part of the Casino Battle Royale um, that would win him uh, an opportunity at the AEW World Championship, which was won by 
current champion, Adam Page. But looking at the fact that MJF is the only person that's out of these four pillars that has yet to hold a championship, however, is a three-time Dynamite Diamond Ring holder. Um, now, Grant, when this was first introduced, it was a very much taken from the inspiration of Cody with his Ring of Honor ring. Um, but having this as part of his of MGS heel persona, it does make it just as it's just as prestigious as having, having a championship. But it does feel like this is solely just for MGF. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely you could you could feel the whole kind of like it was a, a big replication of um, Cody's ring. But the main difference here is that MGF can't book himself with this ring, so he can't always make himself go over with it. Which really makes a big difference that MGF can get over without having to tell people I'm not a heel. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Cody. But yeah, I, I like the, the fact that he's won the ring every single time. It does feel like I, I honestly, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the point where it's like next year, what to go for it again, and MGF's going to turn around and be like, "Yeah, you're competing for the MGF Diamond Ring this time, not the D- Dynamite Diamond <laughs> Ring," because I've had it for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, Alan, do you think is there any other person apart from MJF that can maybe hold that Dynamite Diamond ring? There's only one name that comes to my mind, and that's Ethan Page, but is there anyone else that you would think, or do you think it's solely going to be a, an MJF thing from here on out? I think if he is going to lose it, it has to be a heel. For me, that ring is what he's been a heel, and for me, he's been the top heel. And there there really isn't anyone out there. No, tell a lie. Tell a lie. I've got one. A bit of nurturing mentor and a bit more of a push. Hook. Yeah. Do you, can you see Hook with a, with a ring on his finger? Too late. Nah, <laughs> I, would, I would have said Hook. I would have said either Miro, you know, you know, his god can redeem him with a shiny new ring, or, and this would be the one I'd bet on, Wardlow. I mean, Man. I love Wardlow. I would just think Ethan Page just because, you know, he is all ego. That's the only thing that would make, me, make it work for me. Why <laughs> to put the ring in guys that size? It would, <laughs> it would look tiny. Yeah. It would look like a toy. <laughs> would they even fit on Wardlow's fingers? Probably. I mean, it's, it'd be kind of like... Uh, it barely I mean, fits on MGF be like, pinky. It'd be like the great Kali holding the big gold belt. You know, I mean, it's probably not supposed to be there, but it makes it look tiny. <laughs> and yet, it's, but yet, it, on a normal person, it's massive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll talk a bit about MGF's development inside this company as well, because he went on a very long undefeated streak. And it's not very often that you see people with an undefeated streak in AEW, unless it's like, you know, one match or two matches or three matches. Or, you know, in um, Adam Page's case this year, he was he's never lost a match this year. Right? And that was on the first match on Dynamite of the year. Um, when you look at MJF, when you've seen the fact that he was signed by All Elite Wrestling... Were any of you guys sold just from his first initial promos? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll and I say stand by what I said at the start of the show. Like, what got MGF on the map 
is his literally no holding back when it comes to cutting promos. He will anything and everything is not not is is fair game. Nothing's off limits to what he can cut a promo on. You know, he might drop the odd cuss word every now and again, but he doesn't rely on it uh, to sort of you know be a bit edgy promo anymore. You know, he he delves deep into. You know, the the unspoken tragedies of other wrestlers or their families. Like, you don't attack another person's family. You know, that's just not something you, like, a man with any respect for anyone should do. Uh, but he, he brings up a lot of stuff that, you know, even, like, the dirt sheets talk about, you know, if anybody's looking to look for baggage or something that might discredit another wrestler, he, he finds that weak spot and he just picks at it. And that's what that's what generates the the audience reactions and the level of hatred towards him. Because not only does he deliver on sensitive topics, but he delivers delivers it in such a way, like he doesn't stutter his words. He's he's extremely confident, and he says it with a almost like a a passionate hatred towards anybody that he deems to be beneath him, because he carries him, himself in such high regard. Yeah, no, there is definitely that. Um, Alan, I want to talk about something that is some for some people for the main championship picture was a godsend, but obviously for the TNT title picture, we go for fuck's sake. Um, that MJF is the reason that Cody is no longer no longer allowed to challenge for the AEW World Championship after a pre-match stipulation with Chris Jericho because he threw in the towel when Cody was doing his match. And then he turned heel on him and, like, you know, gave him a low blow and walked away. That is a bastard of a move, isn't it? He is a cunt and a lot of... <laughs> I mean, he is... See, in 20 years' time when he's done wrestling, and you look in the dictionary, you see the word shithousery. It's him. You <laughs> every salty air face. He's just so good at the shithousery. It's amazing. Yes, he... The bastard of the reason why Cody has fucked me over more times than a fucking <laughs> You know, it's just been horrific <laughs> for me. But I, yeah, he's been brilliant. Um, and he's, he's so inventive with the way he just, the shithousery stuff. And the only thing I said, I mean, but still, is a whole stage he's been have to go through on you. Rings of fire to get a match with him. That's the only thing for me, he lets it down and he's a bit stale, but he's so good at shithousery. And. <laughs> Yeah, it really helped build that Cody uh, him rivalry. It was just so good. Everyone's seen it coming, and every time you expect him to pull the trigger, he never did it. And then mm. finally, when he did, it was just such a good pop and such a good moment. It was just class. I mean, yeah, it was a very, very good way. And Dave, you had a, a wee chime in on that. Yeah, I was just going to say, if... If there's anybody in AEW you want to see cut a heel promo and wonder what he's going to say next, MJF is your guy. I, and if I wanted to do the opposite and go to WWE, I would just listen to a Roman Reigns slash Bloodline promo. Like, you know, forget, you know, any other heel character on, on that roster. I would, if I want to see a good heel promo, I would watch MJF because you never know. Like I said, nothing's off limits when it comes to his promos. Mm-hmm. And... Grant, one of the more standout moments when it came to when it's come to so far MJF's career in AEW is Le Dino Debonair. <laughs> one of the Le biggest stands out. The goal of all time. And I'm not gonna lie, I fucking 
expect it to be what it was. But my God, no, it. Big Tony, get the checkbook out. Go get the folk at Broadway. Get Lin Manuel Miranda involved. Get me a full musical of La Dinner Do I want it, and I want it now. I mean, it was again when we say people getting paired with Chris Jericho does wonders for your career. Chris Jericho is the perfect person to ever work with MJF because those two can just bounce off each other. They are both charismatic and they can both think on the top of their heads. And Callum, their rendition of Me and My Shadow was just beautiful, wasn't it? Ah, uh, yes. Um, I, you know, uh, let me tell you something, brother. I um, was very perplexed when I saw this because obviously over here on our side neck of the woods and saw it like one in the morning eh, and then last till three so it was a uh, late night watching AEW live and I, I saw a dinner debut air and um, was gobsmacked I was flabbergasted fucking loved it though but very confused eh, it was it was interesting and it was great eh, MGF sign so the Jericho and then keep remembering that Chris Jericho's in a band MGF should be in a band but, oh well, uh, MJF sign was, was interesting. I mean, I just don't like him. I, I, I'm going to stop before I run. I just, I just don't like him. I mean, well, that's kind of a good thing. He's a heel, and there's many, many people that have compared him to The Miz in terms of he's the heel that you really love to hate. But, Dave, this, this particular storyline with Chris Jericho, it really got the ball rolling for MJF just as a, as a character moving forward because there was a lot of messing with the inner circle especially like leaving Sammy out of plans to go to Vegas um, and whatnot and then it came to the culmination where MGF had actually been planning the entire thing to break off or break up the inner circle break off and he started the pinnacle when he joined up with Sean Spears Tully Blanchard and FTR having Wardlow by his side as well did you see this big turn coming uh, in a way yes but at the same time no because when he wanted inside the inner circle I had a feeling you know he's probably going to pull a few strings and I thought this would have just led to the disbanding of inner circle you know with Sammy you know going away from it for a bit but the pinnacle formation was was the big curveball like I wasn't expecting him to pull off this this U-turn, you know, forming his own group by his own accord. But if anything, that's just another notch in his belt on how how good he can mingle with main event talent and how he treats himself as a main event talent. Because when you look at like WWE, for example, like only the most top tier guys and the most guys with the most experience are usually the ones that sort of set up their own groups. I mean, look at Triple H forming Evolution. Look at Randy Orton and forming Legacy. Like those were formed from guys who have been in the business for years. He MJF has been in AEW for the you know, best part of two, three years now, and already he's assembled this uh, this posse of a good mix of talent to be his own be his own group. I that that I find is a massive sign of, you know, somebody who's really got bitten by the main event bug and is somebody who wants to establish themselves as AEW's biggest name and the name Pinnacle you know is exemplary of that given that these guys are meant to be at the top of the mountain in AEW well that's exactly that they are literally at the top of everything um, but before we 
round down the show. Um, I do want to ask each and every one of you, off the top of your head, what has been one of your more favourite MGF promos? Because, and quoted from a very good professional wrestler, um, the MGF is one of the best heels. He can walk on the edge and be a heel without people calling him racist or homophobic, mainly because he can blur the lines between kayfabe and in like in reality, really. So, Callum, I'll start off with you. So, what's been one of your more favourite MGF promos? Uh, it was a more recent one <clears throat> uh, when he mentioned Lex Luger uh, to Sting because then Sting whooped his ass. So, I'd, I'd say that one because good old Stinger Woo! Uh, beat his ass and it was just enjoyable to see. So, I'd say that one for me. Awesome. Dave, what would say? What would you be saying was one of your more favourite ones? The one that really shocked me was the one he did with Darby Allen, where he referred to his uncle that died in a car crash because he was an alcoholic, and he also described Darby Allen as a oh gosh, it was a school shooter mime skateboarder or something. Like he basically describes him as a school shooter. Like that's like almost that is so close to the line. Like you're you're practically one foot across it. Especially in front of an American audience. Mm-hmm. And Alan, what would you say is something that you you brought out? <sighs> There's been that many. I don't know. I mean, I like I like this week. So the one he came out with this week, actually, just because there's just so many. How you talk about? Because obviously there's a talk of WWE want him when his contract mm-hmm. is, and he's like, I'm bored. I'm just going headline the WrestleMania. You know. Just absolutely shit house in WWE and AEW fans and all the marks. Brilliant. I thought it was really well done. And he was trying to get under punk skin, I thought it was clever. Um because also punk never made it, but I mean there's been so many, but that's just that's just keeping my mind because I seen that like ten minutes before we came on the show. Mm-hmm. So I probably Yeah. And Grant, what we say is is your one? I'd say my one is it's possibly the most controversial one that he's done that I can think of in recent memory, and it is the one with Brian Pillman Jr. Oh. That was absolutely brutal. Like that was that that was because like, let's face it, we know that I have some fucking out there taste when it comes to comedy. I've watched some, I've watched some fucking really like some comedians are just like ooh, and that's what reminded me. It, it was one of those ones where I was like ooh ooh like. I was like, wow, this is like really close to the bone. This isn't just like, oh, a bit of kayfabe. This this feels like it's almost getting a bit real. And he blurred that line so well. In particular, I I was like, I can't believe he's just looked at the ground saying that he was speaking to Brian Pillman Sr. Yep. I mean, because he, he basically called Cincinnati Shitsinati, called his mother Methany, and then said he was talking to Brian Pillman Sr. while yelling at the ground instead of He's not looking down at you, he's screaming from below and you're like, oh my god, oh, oh no. Can I also draw attention to the, the the current feud of all feuds that he's having right now with his own parents? That is yeah. also true. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is part of his character, that part of his wrestling persona as well, is that the fact that when MJF is doing stuff online and social media, he's in a fight with his parents. And even when he's doing autograph sessions and meetings, he's being rude to children. Like, they're, they're staying in character. It is very, very similar to what I remember Chris Jericho describing in uh, one of his books, saying that, obviously, people could not actually tell who he was as a person to who he was as a wrestler to the point that he got attacked. 
Um, I hope it doesn't work. I don't know. I hope that doesn't happen to MJF, but I can see it definitely going that way. He's basically the new Jericho, in a way, like the the twenty first century Chris Jericho. That's what I, I would know, say. He- he isn't the, the 21st century Chris Jericho. He's the first ever MJF. <gasps> oh. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that MJF will be very, very happy to hear that you called him that, Dave, because he's totally listening to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's got <laughs> he's got the suit game. He's got the Burberry scarf. He's got the diamond ring. He's got the... And he I mean, would still slaughter you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, he, he gets a microphone in front of me. He would destroy me. Yep. Um, and that was basically um, um, the reason that we all, all did the show talking about Maxwell, Jacob Freeman, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy was because of that promo that MJF had done saying that he was actually the top pillar of the four homegrown talents. Um, now, I, I'll, I'll ask you, just at, the, just at the very start of AAW, who would you have considered to be the people that are going to be considered the four pillars in your eyes and then I will ask you for a prediction for the year ahead. So Alan, when AEW first started, who did you think were going to be the pillars of the company? Uh, honestly, none of the people have talked about. Uh, I thought it would have been Jericho, Moxley, Omega and Paige. Mm-hmm. Dave? Um, I would go in with MJ. I'd put MJF still there. I think that's fair enough. Um, probably Omega, Orange Cassidy, and yeah, Boxley. Mhm. Uh, Callum, who would you have said at the very start of AEW? Hangman. Omega, Moxley, Cassidy. Yep. Grant? Uh, Omega, uh, Cassidy. Hate to say it, but it's undeniable because of the influence at the beginning, Cody. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's a joint It's a joint one for fourth because they are actually a team, the Bucks. See, um, obviously I've not really chimed in much because obviously I want to hear your guys' discussion and everything but um so when AEW first started I would have thought the pillars would have been Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, Pac and Cody because I would I, I would have they seemed to be very very big on when Pac joined that company um but I will also go around and as of time of recording Jungle Boy has actually won the AEW Tag Team Championship so you're not allowed to say this but I want a prediction for the year 2022 for one of these four pillars. And Callum, I'll ask you first. Oh, cheeky wee prediction for this year. I'll say that NGF will finally win a championship, whether that's the World Championship or the TNT Championship. Okay. Dave, have you got a prediction for somebody? I'm actually going to be a bit more specific on the back of Callum's prediction. And I'm going to say MGF becomes world champion by the end of 2022. Okay. Alan? All four will be TNT champion. Ooh. Just by the end of this year? Yeah, I don't think anyone will quite get the world title yet. I think maybe next year you'll be looking at that. But all four will be TNT champion by the end of the year. Awesome. 
And Grant, have you got a prediction for anybody? I reckon at some point this year, Sammy Guevara is going to leave the inner circle and Ooh. strike it out big singles-wise. Well, see, that's also very interesting because that did look like what was going to happen earlier when we had the partnership with Impact. Um, it's, it's very, very good. Ooh, but, what? Sorry, can oh. I uh, just add one more thing about Jungle Boy? Of course like, you can, Dave. PWI 500 2021, guess what number he was? Who's got a, who's got a guess? 69, 69. <laughs> <laughs> he actually was number Yeah, no, it's right, it was, it was 69. <gasps> it was 69, yes. Which, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will actually have a wee look at everyone's PWIs. So we've already mentioned uh, with Darby Allen starting out at number 14. Sammy Guevara was not ranked. Uh, for 2021, sadly, he was ranked at number 61 in 2020, though. Uh, Jungle Boy being number 69, and Mr. MJF, did he did he get ranked? Uh, PWI 52020, he was number 22. There we go. Did, it, oh, he didn't get ranked this year. Oh, Not this year, no. That's very sad. But anyway, it's very very good to see you know all these rankings, especially for like the new guys, but. Sadly, everybody, sadly, it is time to come to an end. Aww. Mm. But it is not all terrible. Because hopefully you have sat and listened to the show that comes out, that came out on Sunday. Uh, it was Alan's Mount Rushmore of New Japan, and that is one in the many New uh, not New Japan shows, we do have that for East East West uh, with your very own Graham McRobbie, but the Mount Rushmore's Alan has got a fuckload of ideas still to come and we have loads in our back catalogue have a wee check, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple we are on any other Android podcasts, you just search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet and you can listen to all of them, because it is awesome, but I want to thank my panel for today, so Alan Thank you very much for your hot takes and behaving in my classroom. I don't really behave. Thanks very much. It's been awesome. Dave, thank you very much for joining in, obviously, with your random facts of the day. Always happy to deliver. Thank you. Callum, thanks very much for weighing in on the fact that you are a wrestler in making. You're damn right, brother. I'll be well chatting in no time. Thank you very much. And Grant, thank you very much for giving your hot takes as well, because we all know that you have some very controversial thoughts. It's been a pleasure being on here, and to leave it with a non-controversial thought, Wilson is a gimp. <laughs> I mean, that, that's actually toned back from what you usually say about him. But I have been Sarah. Hopefully, this has been a very good discussion for you, and if you agree or disagree with any of our points, challenge me. I dare you. Come to the Facebook community page. Challenge me on what you've on what you've heard. You know, at me on Twitter. You know, at Triceratops underscore ninety one. I'll be waiting. And coming up next week. Coming up next week on our future show, we are going to start Royal Rumble season, everybody, because January is Royal Rumble season. And Gimpy Face Stephen Wilson will be taking his panel back to Royal Rumble nineteen eighty two in a nice wee look back. But don't forget, hit that subscribe button, 
and make sure you join us and become part of the family. We love you, and I hope you have a very good day. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.